Thank you for joining us here at Crossword Church for this week's message. Our desire is to see people's lives transform as they develop an authentic relationship with Jesus. We would like to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So take a moment and visit us online at mycrosswordchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. We are in a series entitled Choices Navigating the Obstacles uh, to a Godly Life or to Godly Living. And we're in part two, which is dealing with choosing discipline over procrastination. I just want to recap really quickly on what we talked about last week. We shared understanding the time killer of procrastination. For us to understand the time killer of procrastination, we must know that there is a time killer called procrastination and that God, that there is a biblical perspective on time. We went through um, talking about that God is a God of time. When he started in Genesis, he, in Genesis chapter 1, he created time and that he never violated time and that God is the God of yesterday, the God of today, and the God of tomorrow. Alpha, Omega, beginning and the end, first and the last. And then we talked about the consequences of procrastination. And then lastly, we shared on five common causes of procrastination. Five common. Um, Number one, that um, sometimes we are indecisive, being indecisive, being a perfectionist, being afraid, being angry, and being lazy. All these things are... um, common causes of procrastination. For us to understand procrastination, it is critical because it's only in our understanding of it that we can then begin to attack it, that it will develop within us a character of Christ to overcome it. Let me say that again. Um, We need to understand procrastination because it is the first step in Christ-like character so that we can learn how to overcome our procrastination. So today we're going to talk about overcoming procrastination. Many of us feel uh, frustrated by the patterns of procrastination that occur in our lives on a consistent basis. There is an author by the name of Lewis Boone, and Lewis Boone says this. um, A lot of times people make this statement, I am definitely going to take a course in time management just as soon as I can work it into my schedule. Y'all get that? I'm going to take a time management class as soon as I, how many know as soon as I never really gets there? That you have to choose a date and a time that you're going to start. Amen? However, God does not command us to make the most of our time without empowering us to do so. We need to literally tackle procrastination head on in order for us to overcome it. So let's just start with what does the Bible say? about procrastination. First off, it's important that we know you will not see the word procrastination in the Bible. However, you'll find many examples of procrastinators in the Bible. Many procrastinators. So we're going to start with Joshua. Joshua chapter 24. And for those of you that's following on the screen, we just have some scriptures here. But in Joshua chapter 24, and we're going to begin at verse, we're going to read through verse 15. But let me just set this up. Joshua confronts the children of Israel about their unwillingness to reject false gods that they had attached themselves to while they were in Egypt. This is Joshua 20, 24 verse 15. And so one day Joshua got up and he gave them an ultimatum. And Joshua says this. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, 
Then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This is very uh, interesting because Joshua is making a statement here. If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, how many know that many people that are in the body of Christ and serving the Lord is not desirable anymore? That it's almost like a grudgery. It's almost like, oh my goodness, I have to go to church, I have to read my Bible. It's, it's not undesirable, which means that there's something else in my life that's become more desirable. And so Joshua is dealing with a people. Everybody say a people. Can you imagine a whole people that serving the Lord has become undesirable to Uh, And literally, we're living in a nation where the idea of serving God, the idea of understanding that my life does not belong to me, uh, is becoming undesirable to us. Because we feel as though that our lives belong to us. And so we get to do life the way we want to do life. There's another instance in 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18, and we'll be starting around verses uh, 18 through 22. We read a similar challenge issued now by Elijah before the children of Israel. After they had inhabited the land of Canaan, they began worshiping Baal. You know, in the body of Christ today, a lot of people are saying they want the blessed life. And thank God for the series that revealed to us what the blessed life really is. Meaning people want, um, they want stuff. But what we have to understand is sometimes if our perspective is not right, when we receive the stuff, it's very easy to find ourselves worshiping the stuff. And so the children of Israel was in bondage in Egypt and and they've been praying for deliverance and God promised them a land flowing with milk and honey. And they got into the land and they found that there were some options. Everybody say options. There was options to, to Yahweh and they chose to start worshiping the gods of Baal. So let's pick up the story. And let me set this up because there was, again, one day when Elijah gave a challenge to their king. His name was Ahab. And if you know the story, um, Ahab was actually looking uh, for Elijah because he wanted to kill him. Uh, Because Elijah was speaking the word of the Lord and Ahab wanted to hear what Ahab wanted to hear. And as a result of this, uh, Elijah said, um, you know, there's not going to be any rain. And there was no rain. So let's just pick up the story here. Because uh, Elijah spoke to Ahab. He tells Ahab to summon the people together to witness a showdown on Mount Carmel. Between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. So verse 18 says, I have not made trouble for Israel. He's responding. Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. So he's saying, I haven't made trouble, but Ahab, you and your father's family, your ancestors have made trouble for Israel. You have abandoned the Lord's command and have followed the Baals. Everybody see that with me? Now, summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal, watch this, and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Now, a lot of times when we hear this story, we only hear about the 450 prophets. We hear about 
uh, Elijah going up against 450 prophets. But if you really do the math, it's really what? 850, right? But how many know when you're in God and when you're empowered by God, the numbers really doesn't matter? Because with God, you are really the majority. That's not a cliche. But if you don't understand this, you will become overwhelmed. So Ahab went, uh, sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Verse 21, Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? How long will you uh, uh, be wondering which way you're going to go? If the Lord is God, follow him. And if Baal is God, follow him. Watch this. This is the most important line in this text. But the people said nothing. This is so, this is so important. How many know our silence speaks loudly in the spirit realm? The, the people said nothing. Verse 22, then Elisha said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450 prophets. The people said nothing. What Elijah is asking of them is, how long are you going to keep procrastinating? How long are you going to keep putting off this very important decision? One last illustration we find in Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. And Jesus is giving a parable here of the great supper. In the parable, we'll begin in verse uh, verses 18 through 20. In that parable, God is extending an invitation to mankind to partake in his wonderful blessings in his kingdom. Those who had been invited, all of a sudden, they start making what? Excuses. So let's just kind of let's just kind of hear what what kind of excuses were being made in this day. One procrastinator said, this is verse 18, he could not accept the invitation because he had just bought a piece of land and he needed to tend to it. Excuse of work. Let me say that again. This is the excuse that I have to work. Okay, number two. Another procrastinator said he could not accept the invitation because uh, he had bought five yokes of oxen and he needed to go test them out in the field. This is verse 19. And here we see the excuse of having opportunity to make money, more money, because the yoke of oxen was to, to work in the field so that he could increase his harvest so that he could increase his bounty. The third, listen to the third excuse. The third procrastinator refused the invitation because he had a wife at home that he needed to look after. This is the excuse of I need to spend time with my family. In this passage of scripture, we see three classic excuses that is still being used today. I have to work so I don't have time for God. Um, I have the ability to make some more money so I don't have time for God. And I have to spend time with my family so I don't have time for God. How many understand that the enemy still use the same strategies today? And so we need to understand that the enemy will always try to keep us from doing what God is calling us into. So excuses, excuses, excuses. The favorite card of the procrastinator is the excuse card. Let me just kind of identify what this is a little bit. 
It is presented as a badge of honor. It is wielded like a sword of a proficient soldier. And it is initiated like the access card to a vault of treasure. However, procrastination gets us to the great destination of nowhere. Great destination of nowhere. Those individuals never made it to the great and eternal banquet in God's kingdom because they were too busy. This series on choices at the beginning of the year is very important to us because every day what we stated at the beginning of the series was that our life is a sum total of our choices. And sometimes the choices that we make, they will uh, impact us uh, spiritually or uh, physically or even financially. But every day we, we are responsible for the choices that we make. The Bible teaches us three truths about procrastination. Three truths that we're going to share today. First, the Bible teaches us that procrastination is a serious problem. <laughs> Sometimes we tend to make light of our procrastination as though it's not a big deal. But, this, but from a scriptural perspective, procrastination is a very big deal. Procrastination has to do with the stewardship of our time. The stewardship of our time. God is the giver of our time. This is what Psalms 118.24 says. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So God has made this day and he has given you this day. And what you do in this day is up to you. The scripture teaches us that time is fleeting. We talked about this a little bit in James chapter 4 verses 14 through 15. It's amazing how we live as though that we have an an enormous amount of time on the planet. We live as though that we have an eternity of time on the planet. James makes this statement. And he says, come now. You say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such city. Spend a year there. Buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? James is saying, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and it vanishes away. When we start treating our time as something precious, we will not squander it away. Psalms 103 verse 15 and 16 says, As for man, his days are as grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. It doesn't matter how great accomplishments that we make on the earth. At some point, we will encounter what's called our mortality. And, and there, is no much, there is no money that we can pay to allow Mr. Mortality to say, I'll give you a pass. The key is for us to live each day with the life of God to accomplish as much as God has given us to accomplish. Each day God deposits 24 hours in your time bank. 
Someone that has more wealth than you does not get 26 hours. They don't get 36 hours. Everyone gets the same measure of hours. That is literally 1,440 minutes and 86,400 seconds. We carry the gift of time from one day to the next. And once that, once that day ends, that time is gone. So when we procrastinate, what we're doing is we're forfeiting. Listen, church. We're forfeiting our very precious time that we can never get back unless we learn or, or until we learn how to number our days and redeem our time. Everybody say, I have the ability to redeem my time. So, so how do I do that? I start redeeming my time when I start making different choices. When I start, when I start evaluating how I have invested myself and the fruit that I, it has bared in my life. And I decide today I'm going to uh, take seas of the day and I'm going to redeem my time. And I'm going to choose to do something differently. Um, the next thing the Bible teaches about procrastination is that it's a, it's a spiritual problem. Spiritual problem. In Galatians chapter 5, beginning around verse 22, Paul records the fruit of the Spirit. And here it's not fruits with an S, but it is the fruit. It is the characteristic of the Spirit. And he says in verse 22 through 23, Galatians chapter 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such there is no law. Chronic procrastinators or procrastination reveals a lack of self-control. When it comes to how we use our time, when we keep putting things off, especially important things, it reveals that there is an era in our lives that God is not in control of. We feel as though we're in control. Number, number three, number three, the Bible teaches us that procrastination is a sin problem. Sin problem. How is procrastination a sin problem, you may ask? It is the sin of presumption. Listen. Everybody kind of lean in real quick. <laughs> in Psalms chapter 19 verse 13. The psalmist says. Keep back your servant. From presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless. And I shall be innocent of great transgression. See, if we presume something, it means that I accept something as virtually a, a certainty in my life. And when I, when I procrastinate, I am presuming that tomorrow will come and whatever I procrastinated today, I'll get to do it tomorrow. Right? Even though we don't have a guarantee about tomorrow. As a matter of fact, biblically speaking, none of us have the promise of tomorrow. This is how Solomon puts it with regards to tomorrow. 
in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1. Now, one thing about Crossword Church is that we love the word. And so when we, when we teach, there's always many scriptures. Why is that? This is intentional. Because sometimes when we come to church and we just hear a person speak and there's no scripture, uh, scriptural uh, foundation or basis, it's basically uh, head knowledge or philosophy. And what God wants us to do when we come to church is to hear the word. So that when we leave, we have not a man's uh, good intellect or, ins- or inspiration, but we have the word of God. So Solomon says this, Proverbs 21, verse 1, he says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Have you ever said, I'm going to do this tomorrow? And, and lay out the plan of what you're going to do tomorrow. Now listen, there is... There is There is a case for planning. We all understand this. Planning is important. But we must live in a way that we're not procrastinating today or procrastinating today onto tomorrow what we can literally do today. We're not living a lifestyle of putting things off until tomorrow. So procrastination, it's considered to be a sin of presumption. Sin of presumption. So... Um, so what can I do to overcome procrastination? Why don't you just turn to your neighbor and say, what can I do? Now, maybe the neighbor didn't seem too convinced that they procrastinate from time to time. Turn to the other neighbor and say, hey, what can I do? Got to get a handle on this procrastination in my, that's working in my life. (laughs) Amen. Okay. So, so the first thing, the first thing. One key to overcoming procrastination is that I must view it as a sin. Um, I I should not just view it as, well, you know, this is kind of how I am. You know, this is just, you know, this is not a big thing. You know, I'll get around to it. If we're always running on the dime, I'm just saying, we may have a challenge with procrastination. So this is what James says. James chapter 4 verse 17 says. Therefore to him who knows to do good. And does not do it. To him it is what? Sin. It's amazing how we know the scripture. And we're like. That really sounds good. God wants us to not just hear it. But how many know he wants us to live it. Right. As long as we uh, view procrastination as a fault or a weakness, we will never do anything about it. We will always make excuses. Listen to this. We will make excuses for procrastination. If If we're ever able to overcome it, we must view it from God's perspective. It is a sin. It is a sin. Another key to overcoming procrastination is I must learn to value my time. We all get the same number of hours in the day. And I must learn to value my time. I must value my time. Psalms chapter 90 verses 10 and 12 says, Our days 
may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. So what he's saying here, um, the average lifespan is about 70 or, or, or 80 years. How many know that today people are living to be 100 plus years, right? Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow. For they quickly pass and, and we fly away. Teach us, verse 12, to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to live wisely. What, what, the, what, what uh, Moses is saying here is that it's not about the length of your days that you live on the planet. It's about how you live your days. Because if you have long life and it's filled with sorrow and trouble and turmoil and self-inflicted wounds due to procrastination, for say, that is not a life of fullness. The way we count our days is to make our days count. Each day is a gift from God to you. What you do in and through that day is your gift back to God. I teach this from the concept of marriage to couples. Your marriage is God's gift to you. But what you do in and through your marriage is your gift back to God. And for us to really ingrain that. God has given me the gift of today. How is it a gift? Because many people did not get up today. Many people had made plans for today and how they were going to spend the day and how they were going to watch the game and how they're going to be with the family and all the things that they planned. Today came and they were not a part of it. And so it is precious. Everybody say precious. Another way for us to overcome procrastination is that I must remember that God rewards diligence or discipline and not laziness. He rewards diligence. He rewards discipline and not laziness. This is, this is what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3. Verse 17, it says, And whatever you do, in word or in deed, I think that's all-encompassing. Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Proverbs 12.22 puts it this way. The hand of the diligent will rule, but the, slot, the slothful will be put to forced labor. Think about that. The slothful will always find themselves doing something that they didn't really want to do. They will always find themselves working a job that they really didn't sign up to do. May we not be presumptuous like the world is. May we not be guilty of killing our own time by yielding to the harbinger of personal defeat, which is procrastination. Because remember last week when we talked and we read the quote from Chuck Swindoll and he said his, his main focus is defeat in our lives. 
The next time that, that you find yourself procrastination, stop and ask yourself the question, why? Why am I procrastination? And then look to God for help to overcome it. Let me read another scripture here from Proverbs chapter 24. Verse, verses 30 through 31. It says, I passed the field of a sluggard. Past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The thorn, the ground was covered with weeds, and the stone wall was in ruin. The voice translation puts it this way Once I passed by the property of a slacker, by the vineyard of a foolish man, you should have seen it. The entire field was overgrown with thorns. Every inch was covered with weeds. Even the stone wall was crumbling. Now he's making a very interesting parallel here. That a person that's a sluggard is a person who has no sense. Or a person that's a slacker is a person that... Is a foolish person. Now I can guarantee that none of us in here consider ourselves to be sluggards. None of us consider ourselves to be slackers. Right? But what we need to understand is when we procrastinate in that specific thing, we are acting as a sluggard. In that particular thing, we are empowering procrastination, which is not fulfilling, allowing us to fulfill God's plan for our lives. So let's just kind of give a little definition of a sluggard. Characteristic of a sluggard. Some people said, is he calling me a sluggard? No. <laughs> oh my goodness. Hey, let, let, let's, let's get into this. Let's get into this. The sluggard is first and foremost, number one. The so this is characteristics of a sluggard. Okay. This is not on the screen. This is number one. The sluggard is a procrastinator. We just saw that in the scripture. Number two, the sluggard is a rationalizer. Have you ever rationalized your day and making the decision that you're going to postpone something today until tomorrow? Because you've talked to yourself and you've come to the conclusion that it will be better served for me to do this tomorrow. So what this is also telling me is that we have to watch out for our self-talk. What's going on up here? Number three, the sluggard takes the path of less resistance. Less resistance. Number four, the sluggard is foolish. This is biblical. The sluggard is foolish. Number five, the sluggard requires constant supervision and prodding. Constant supervision and prodding. Was that an amen? <laughs> okay, 
Uh, here, are some, here are some sources. Here are some sources for um, the sluggard problem. Number one, the sluggard is self-seeking. Self-seeking. Can everybody just kind of look at the neighbor and just say, ouch, with me? Just, just say, ouch. You know, in, in the church, when, when the teaching is coming and it's kind of getting to us a little bit, we just say, ouch. I'm saying, ouch. Believe me, pastor had to study this, and I, I made some calls. I did some things this week that I've been putting off because God is saying, you can't preach it without living it. <laughs> okay, number two, the sluggard is pleasure-seeking. Pleasure-seeking. That's why we're putting stuff off. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Right? Number three, the sluggard is short-sighted. I want to just get it done now. I'm not thinking, don't tell me anything about no vision and purpose and destiny. I just want to deal with it right now. Get it right now. Don't do it right now. The sluggard lacks self-discipline. Sluggard lacks self-discipline. So how many want some, some, uh, some solutions? Amen. A- amen. Amen. Okay, so <laughs> here's some solutions. Here's some solutions. <laughs> the sluggard's attention can be gained by pain, pressure, and problems. I'm sorry, problems. Or by wise counsel. When they yield to wise counsel. The sluggard must be willing to change his or her perspective and his or her priorities. These are some solutions. And lastly, the sluggard must be willing to work on what they have been neglecting. The first one is the sluggard's attention can be gained by pain, pressure or problems. What I mean by this is sometimes when the when when the thing we've been procrastinating kind of comes back and bite us and we and now all of a sudden we got to we got to get to work. We got to deal with it. But we wouldn't have dealt with it unless we've been receiving some pain or some pressure because we didn't do it. And so it speaks to us and it prods us to, it prods us to make a, a decision to get it dealt with. Okay. Okay. How's everyone doing? (laughs) Here are five steps to reduce procrastination in our lives. The first one, we have to be willing to probe into the problem of procrastinating. We have to be willing to identify what is the source why am I procrastinating? We have to take some time and probe into what's really going on with me. I know I'm supposed to do, to do this particular thing, speak to this person, go to this meeting. Why am I putting it off? We have to be willing to deal with it, to probe into it. There are basically three big problems. You know, as we're probing, there, there are three big problems regarding procrastination. The first one is that procrastination produces a false sense of control that we feel as though we're in control. 
We're not in control if we keep putting it off until another day. Procrastination ignores the uniqueness of conviction. Sometimes when we're procrastinating, we know that there's something going on in us that's saying you really need to get this done. Two things with regards to conviction. Everybody say conscience and the Holy Spirit. The powerful thing with the believer is when the conscience is yoked up with the Holy Spirit. And, and there is that resounding voice that says, you need to do this. And then we make the decision, I hear you, but I'm not going to comply today. What we're doing is we are procrastinating. And then lastly, procrastination dishonors the leading of God's spirit in our life. So probing the problem, probing our problem has to do with looking inwardly. Why am I responding this way? Okay. Do you realize that a lot of people today struggle with quietness? You go in their car, you go in their home, there's always something going on. It's almost like solitude has become a thing of the past. And we're not able to be quiet with ourselves. And sometimes when we keep having noise going on, we're not able to really be reflexive and look at what's going on internally. And so if I've been procrastinating for 30 years, for 40 years, for 50 years, for five years, I have to be willing to take a step back and say, let me examine what's going on. Is it laziness? Is it anger? Is it fear? What is it? I have to probe. Um, number two step, number two step to reduce procrastination is prayer. We have to spend time with God. We have to be willing to acknowledge God's ability to help us. And we have to be willing to spend time in prayer. If we're dealing with laziness, we should be, we should be asking God to help us with self-control. If we're dealing with emotions like fear and resentment, we should be asking God to uh, help us to bring our thoughts into captivity of Christ, into the captivity or into obedience to Christ. If we're struggling with anxiety, we should be asking God for peace, right? So we have to spend time in prayer, talking to the Lord. There's one truth about the Spirit of God is that the Spirit of God will never lead you to procrastinate. Listen, whenever you get in that prodding, to procrastinate, you have to be willing to say, wait a minute, that is not of God. Because God would never lead me to procrastinate. It's not in his nature to procrastinate. But how many know it's easier, easier to yield to that prodding than to take a step back and, and analyze and determine this is not God. Because when I procrastinate, I think I'm getting to do what I really want to do. But what I don't understand is I'm getting to do what the enemy wants me to do. And what the enemy wants me to do is to waste my time. We're going to stop here today. We have to be willing to probe 
what's going on? What is the reason for my procrastinating? And once I understand that, and that this can be a process of prayer. I'm going to God, and I'm going to God's word, and I'm saying, Lord, search me and see. Because procrastination has been a detriment in my life, and I want to be all that you have created me to be. I got a call from a, a wise brother in the Lord, and he's been telling me about all the things that he's been doing, that God's been leading him to do as a follower of Jesus. And I was just getting excited about the things that he's being led to do. And he says, God will tell him to go here, and he just gets up and go. And when I consider all the people I know in the body of Christ that keep saying, I'm going to do something for God, and they never get to doing anything. And God is saying, I've given everybody the same measure of time. But it's what we're doing with our time. Because time keeps on ticking. Tick, tock. And it's important for us to understand that we can overcome our procrastination by being willing to make a choice to do that today.